Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer. Um, and J.D., we have a great question today um, that I think a lot of us think through when we read the Bible. We hear about these people in the Bible, men or women in the Bible who are kind of the, the, the big uh, heroes of the faith. And we think about them in such positive terms, but then we read certain stories about them and they're doing things that we would we would look at and be like, well, that's not that's not what the hero of the faith would do, right? That, that didn't seem like the right, the right decision, or they're doing very simple things, or whatever it is. And so the question today kind of dives into that, looking at one person in particular. So, so J.D., the question today is, were men like King David really great men of faith? You know, one of the things um, when you get out of Sunday school and you get into you know, kind of really reading the Bible on your own, you realize that some of these great heroes of faith that you always heard presented as, you know, be like, dare to be a Daniel and be like David and David, Goliath and, you know, Moses, a great man of faith. You realize that these men and women had some pretty significant flaws. I mean, David's were legendary. I mean, it's, you know, the, the situation with Bathsheba, which was at best an abuse of power. Some people even say a, a kind of rape. Um, then you've got, you know, just multiple places of compromise. He seems to be a pretty terrible father, um, not showing up at, at some key times in his kids' lives. And um, at the very end of his life, he, you know, makes a mistake, commits a sin that grieves God so bad that 70,000 Israelites die. And you're like, I mean, you know, what, what would a person, what would a pastor who did those things today, would they... Would they be heralded as great men of ministry and, uh, you know, talked about as heroes of the faith? Um, why do we talk about David like that? You know, recently I was teaching through uh, the, the story of the life of David at our church, and you get to the end of David's life, and you notice this, like, this verse that that the author of Samuel uses to summarize David's life. Let me just read it to you. Second Samuel 22, verses 21 and 22. Okay, now this is, the again, the end of David's life. Um, after all the, the sins, he says, The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and from his statutes, I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. You know, we read this and we're like, ah, uh, David, yeah, yeah. brah. <laughs> blameless, blameless is not the word that I would use to describe your life. I mean, how could Bathsheba or Uriah, the guy that he murdered to cover it up, or her her husband, Tamar, who was the daughter that she was raped, uh, you know, basically on his watch, and he didn't really do anything to protect her or, or comfort her after she um, had gone through that ordeal? How could any of us reading these stories say, oh, yeah, yeah, David was blameless and clean? Yep, squeaky clean, if you ask me. He kept the ways of the Lord and did not wickedly depart from, from his God. Why would David say that? And why would the editor include it at the end of David's life? I mean, even if you think like David was just, you know, kind of high in himself, why would the editor who put all the stuff in there about what David had done, why would he then say that to describe his life? I mean, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a good. And this is, a, it actually is a very important biblical principle that I think could really change somebody's life. It requires you to have on your theological big boy pants, but just hang with me for a minute. When I see that, I see three options as to why the author would say that about David as a great man of faith after all that he had done. Three options, and I'll tell you why I choose the third option. Option number one is what we call hagiography. Hagiography is just a fancy word that means that you tell the most polished version of a person's life and you leave out all the bad parts. 
basically turn him into a hero. I remember when I was a kid reading this biography of George Washington and the biography was basically like, you know, George Washington did no wrong. He walked five miles in the snow to repay a penny. Somebody had overpaid him. He could tell no lies. And when he chopped down the cherry tree, he was dauntless, fearless, a man with no flaws. And that's why, that's why America is awesome. And to be clear, George Washington was a great man. But we know that he, like like a lot of great men, had some some pretty significant inconsistencies, some grievous ones. Um, in fact, read Ron Chernow's 2010 biography of him, and you'll see some of those. So is that what the author is trying to do here, trying to whitewash David's past? Well, I mean, no. I mean, the same author that put this here also recorded all of the bad stuff in the preceding chapters, and the author is not trying to pretend that what he just recorded didn't actually happen. Whitewashing somebody's past is not only dishonest, it's also we've learned really harmful for victims. It's hard for somebody who's been deeply hurt by somebody else to sit there and hear us talk about how they were perfect or or that era of history was perfect when they when they really suffered at the hands of that person or those people that we're we're turning into a hero. And in fact, I've heard victims of abuse say that that being abused was bad enough, but then to see that victimizer presented as if they had no flaws, well, that's even worse. And it makes the victim feel completely invisible, like their past pain is irrelevant. So no, I don't think that's what the Bible is doing. The sin that David committed was real, and the pain he caused was real. The Bible has been clear about that. So I, I would say it's, it's not whitewashing. So option number two is what we call positional righteousness. And that is, you, you say, well, these statements are declarations about David's positional righteousness in Christ, because after all, that's what the gospel is about, is how you know God trades our unrighteousness for Christ's righteousness. Um, that's what the gospel is. Jesus, you know, his, your sin becomes his, his righteousness becomes yours. We call that gift righteousness. And, and that's certainly true that, you know, when we, when we trust Christ, we receive his righteousness. But I would say there are several things in this text that don't quite fit with that explanation. Several things that indicate that positional righteousness is not the, not the best answer to to this dilemma we find. Uh, I mean, look again at what David says there, verse 21, according to the cleanness of my hands, I have kept the ways of the Lord. According to my righteousness, I did not turn aside. That's just an odd way of of, uh, of saying that if, if this is a reference to the righteousness we have in Christ. Um, I think it's pretty clear here that David is referring to, to good things that he himself did, not good things that Jesus did in his place, but good things that that he did, which leads me to the third option, I think the correct one, and that is is what I would call new creation righteousness. And that is that this final statement about David is, it demonstrates the reality and the power of God to restore the believer. Uh, in fact, let me point you to a couple other things David said that um, that I, I think really illustrate this. And, you know, I really feel like somebody listening, this, I mean, this could change your life. Psalm 103, David says, the Lord does not deal with us according to our sins. In other words, David's sins, the sin with Bathsheba, the, with Uriah, with Tamar, um, those are off the table. Compare that to, to what David says in this Psalm, the Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. So he didn't deal with me according to my sins, which are real. He does deal with me according to my righteousness, however, which means that David's righteous acts stay on the table. David's wicked deeds, off the table. David's righteous deeds, still on the table. David had sinned grievously. God doesn't remember those things anymore. But David also was that humble shepherd boy who depended on God when the world was was arraigned against him. He showed courage when he ran out to face Goliath, when everybody else sat like a coward on the sidelines. He showed incredible patience and faith when it was dealing with King Saul. Um, those things stay on the table. 
Uh, all those things are what God remembers. And that means it's really incredible. Because of salvation, God doesn't remember our wicked deeds, but he does remember our righteous ones. Um, and that means, and again, I feel like somebody listening to me, this is gonna change your life. It means that because of Jesus, our lives can be defined by, by the good that we do, not the sins that we committed. I mean, it's, it's very possible that somebody listening to me right now, you sin grievously in your past. And, and listen, I'm not trying to minimize that or whitewash what you did. That pain that you caused was real. In many cases, it needs restitution. In some cases, it, it leaves lasting earthly consequences. There are certain kinds of abuse that mean you'll never be able to re-engage in certain, certain relationships. But the good news of the gospel is that even with the reality of those sins, your life can be defined. The summation of your life will not be the bad that you did. It'll be the works of faith and the good that you have done and will do in Jesus' name. The final verdict on David's life, the final summation, the label that scripture gives him is not abuser, compromiser, negligent father, murderer, even though all those things were true. The label that, that God puts on David in the scripture through the inspiration of the spirit, the final verdict is humble man of faith, blameless one, gracious man of God, man of courage. You see, because of your past, you might label yourself divorcee, cheater, thief, adulterer, absent father, abuser, criminal, compromiser, coward, alcoholic, failure. But see, just like with David, God has a new label for you too. And from this point forward, your life can be defined not by the sins you committed, but by the, by, by the works of faith and the love that you're going to do. It's time for some of you to, to get on with that. Stop wallowing in the shame of your past and, and get on with the good that God has for you. And say with David, God can restore me so that what I'm defined by are the works of faith and not the sins I committed. All right, J.D., well, that was super helpful. Thank you so much for that. And uh, again, just a, a great question that I know a lot of people are asking. Um, next week, we are going to have uh, another question. As always, I said that like some weeks we don't have questions. We will have a question next week on the podcast, which is about questions. And the question is, why does God seem cruel in certain parts of the Bible? So we definitely would love for you to come back and check that out. And we would love it in the meantime, if you would follow JD on social media, because if you're listening to this, you probably like stuff that JD says, and he says a lot of stuff on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, those are great places to hear from Pastor JD, get updates on things from happening in the ministry, and just a really good a really good place to go if you want more from Pastor JD. So we would love to have you do that. Follow us on social media, and then we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything.